Welcome to North Shore Newsweek. Hello, hello, North Shore, and welcome to another edition of North Shore Newsweek. I am Joe Coglin. That is Martin Carlino. We are the co-founders of the record NorthShore.org, and we have a special guest this week, editorial intern Elaine Trinko. Elaine, how are you? Hi, Joe. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm ready to rock this episode. We got a full one this week. We're going to hit you with every town up and down the shore, lead story, featured feature. We got it all. So um excited for your portion of it um and um yeah we're gonna do this so the new north shore newsweek is a summary of our headlines top headlines of the week at uh, the record northshore.org which is your friendly neighborhood nonprofit local news site we are a reader funded site so all this work is for you and by you uh just another shout out and reminder to donate and subscribe uh where and when you can at the website so we're going to jump in this week. Um, we do it in three segments. We do a lead story. Then we go up and down the shore, touching on every community from Glencoe to Wilmette that we cover. And then we do our featured feature, our fan favorite featured features, featured features, some may say. And then we send you on your way. Starting with our lead story, which is <clears throat> kind of an interesting one out of a local nonprofit, uh, but also a, um, a historic institution in Wilmette, the Wilmette Theater, which... Um, a handful of years ago, went to a nonprofit called the Wilmette Theater Education Project. And so it has a board of directors um, that oversees um, the mission, and it has a executive director that kind of um, executes that mission. So, but now it only has, it's down three board members and the executive director after a series of resignations recently between June 28th and July 2nd. Um, executive Director Wendy Sharon stepped down, as well as the top three officers, the president, Jen Weigel, the vice president, um, Melinda Ronish, as well as the um, secretary, Wendy Fessler. <clears throat> they all stepped down in a matter of days, and it all revolved around a uh, the renovations that are going on and the Wilmette Theater desperately wants to get up and running. Um, obviously, it's kind of a cornerstone there downtown Wilmette um, and for the community, um, but it's, it's doing some necessary renovations to its bathrooms and some other areas to get it ready to go. And a lot of those renovations kind of got caught in a couple different different places with permitting through the village, as well as some miscommunication with these members of the board. And it's a long story and it's convoluted and I urge you to go to the website to check out the full story, but uh, kind of a high level overview is that uh, the renovations have been going on for a while in January they handed over the renovations um, to uh, one of the board members Mike Murdoch. Um, and it took a little too long for some of the board members to actually get the permits in place. Uh, Murdoch kind of talks about some miscommunication um, with the village of Wilmette and how that happened as well as with the contractor. Um, it came to a head um, in June when without Murdoch and another board member present, um, although they did have a quorum, the board approved an electrical contract um, for some side project having to do with the bathroom renovations. Well, in the aftermath of that, Murdoch was not happy and sent an email um, about how it was a calling it a no bid contract because they only had one bid and hoping to present another um, contractor. 
Some members didn't like the tone, some board members didn't like the tone of that email and some infighting ensued between the members. And on the heels of that decision on June 14th, a board member asked Mr. Murdoch to step down. He would not. They took a vote then for Mr. Murdoch to be relieved of his duties. The board uh, that did not take. Um, so uh, three board members, Rich Wickle, of course, Mike Murdoch and um one that I'm totally blanking on her name. I can't believe that. Oh, Stephanie Rupp, I'm sorry, um, voted to retain Mr. Murdoch. Is As an answer to that, the other board members all stepped down. Um, Wendy Fessler and um, Melinda Ronish uh, both stepped down. Um, Jen Weigel stepped down a couple of days before. And then also Wendy Sharon stepped down after the board members stepped down. So it was just this domino effect. And now the Wilmette Theater is left with just three board members, um, Murdoch, Rupp and Wickle, who's with uh, North Shore Community Bank, which is a big supporter of the theater. Um, and according to their bylaws, that is not a full board. So they have to fill that. They have no full-time employees as Sharon stepped down. So it's kind of just, if I may opine, a big mess right now that they're trying to figure out for one of the biggest institutions or the most historic, one of the most historic uh, and treasured on the North Shore in the Wilmette Theater. So check out that full story. Uh, I said high level, but I maybe went into a little too much detail. So <laughs> I hope I didn't lose you. Um, we tend to do that, but that's the lead story. I hope you guys check it out and we'll, we'll be sure to keep our eyes on it um, as uh, everybody wants the, the Wilmette Theater to reopen in some capacity very soon. Some great reporting from Joe there, I must say. And uh, as he had mentioned, encourage everyone to head to our site to check it out. Also, one thing worth noting regarding this story is that the Wilmette Theater did receive a grant, a pretty significant grant in that nature that um, as part of a requirement for that grant says that they do have to reopen this year. So um, we, Joe did talk to officials and the plan is still to open at some point this year, hopefully by the end of the year. Um, but just something to note as a, as a part of that story. And for those wondering when the theater may reopen. Yeah. Great point. Thank you for adding that Marty. Um, that was a uh, shuttered venue grant that the small business association made available over the last year. So that is our lead story. Uh, check it out on the full thing on the site, as we said. And now we're going to move on to segment number two called Up and Down the Shore, where we move from Glencoe and take a little walk down the shore to Wilmette and tell you about a story along the way. And we start in a little friendly, cozy corner, Glencoe. Yeah, so the Glencoe Zoning Commission was originally to hold a hearing on now uh, facing some pretty staunch opposition from uh, nearby residents and neighbors of the proposal. So um, the news item out of this topic is that the meeting that was scheduled to take place last Monday, or, or this Monday, I should say, has since been rescheduled to September. So um, quite the months long postponement there. But just to fill in our listeners here on some details of the proposal, which we have previously reported on, um, in the past, when it first made its way in front of Glencoe's Village Board, we'll get into that a little bit more lately, later, but um, an applicant is proposing to rezone a single family home at 538 Green Bay Road in Glencoe to make way for a six unit multifamily development. Um, and so far in the original packet agenda packet that was posted briefly for that zoning meeting that was scheduled to take place, as many as 31 Glencoe residents had submitted public comments to the village opposing the proposal. So um, it 
as I'd mentioned, had first appeared in front of Glencoe's village board in April. And the way that works in Glencoe is that uh, rezoning proposals of this nature first make an appearance in front of the village board for a very initial preliminary review. After that, the board had then referred it to the zoning commission for a much more detailed um, further uh, investigation of this proposal. And this is the hearing that is now postponed until September. So um, we'll see what happens and what makes of it the rest of the way. But um, I know many locals were very interested in this and it's um, unusual to see such significant interest uh, in a zoning meeting with those many comments coming in in opposition. So very heated issue. We explain more details of the original proposal on our story on the site. We'll keep you posted if we get any more information, but just some um, a little bit more general on the subject property. It's roughly 26,000 um, square feet, and it consists of three land parcels located on the west side of the road between Hawthorne Avenue and South Avenue. So those three parcels together make one zoning lot, uh, which further complicates the situation a little bit more. But um, also uh, to note is that one of the pieces of land in front of the property is owned by the Glencoe Park District. So a lot of moving parts, a lot to go into this, a lot of consideration that will need to take place, but we're still in the very early stages and it was already met with some very steep opposition. Yeah. And, you know, we'll be following up on that, um, you know, come around the, the end of summer when it reappears before the zoning board. Let's take a little walk down the shore and cross through the Hubbard Woods District. So we enter Winneka and in Winneka, we'll stay right there because there's some changes coming to the Metro station. Yeah. And Metro officials are seeking the public's input on their plans to renovate passenger facilities at the Hubbard Woods station there in downtown Winneka. So um, just to briefly go over what Metro is proposing, they're proposing an eight foot alignment shift of the Green Bay Trail, which of course is adjacent to the platform over there at the Hubbard Woods station. And the alignment is needed because it would make way to accommodate the widening of the platform and the construction of a new warming shelter that would obviously be uh, adjacent right to the platform there. So. Um, that, this is all according to some documents from Metra and the Village of Winneka detailing that proposal. So um, the commuter rail company says that these alterations and renovations will improve fa passenger facilities and amenities, maintain the historic building and improve ADA access. So along with the shift to Green Bay Road, which is probably the most noteworthy um, consideration to, to take in uh, with this proposal. Some updates will include improvements to the interior of the station and providing elevator access to the platform from the station and street level. And the deadline to uh, submit public comment, if you would like to have your voice heard in relation to this is July 20th. So next Tuesday, a bit of a quick turnaround and um, you'll have to have to do that in a little bit of an expedited nature if you do want to get that information in. But um, that warming shelter would, um, officials say, would provide better protection from the elements, obviously, during the, the colder seasons in the winter here, and it would be directly next to the inbound platform. So um, to make way for that shelter, that is where the shift of the segment of the Green Bay Trail would be necessary. That track level warming shelter would be a little bit beyond the footprint of the current platform causing the need to relocate that trail. So um, right now officials are saying that approximately 535 feet of the trail would shift roughly eight feet to the east. They are saying that it would have no impact to the use of the trail. It the Green Bay Trail would 
remain open throughout construction. And once construction is completed, it would be uh, a very minimal disturbance and not something that would be overly noticed. But if you would like to uh, submit your thoughts and, and um, have them considered by both Metra and the village, please do so by July 20th. There is an email address in, in our story that will direct you where to submit those comments. But some changes coming to uh, one of the iconic parts of Winneka. Yeah, it's a good little piece of information, something that's uh, some changes that are coming up. So check that one out. <clears throat> We're going to take a walk along Willow Road and make a little pit stop in Nutrier. Um, they did kind of a no decision decision on uh, the mask mandate that was put forth, uh, I should say guidelines by both the CDC and the state. And Mark, tell us a little bit about what Nutrier is at right now with that. Yeah, quick hit, quick hit here. And Joe had mentioned it, but uh, Nutrier is currently tabling its decision on um, some safety procedures for next school year, most notably is its policy on mask wearing. So that's been a hot button issue locally and around the nation, really, but um, something that uh, many locals have taken a great interest in as it relates to uh, mask wearing in next school year. So um, that guidance that Joe had alluded to says that masks should um, not be required for individuals who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19, but it does say that anyone who is not vaccinated should wear a mask uh, while in school and should maintain a certain level of social distancing as well. So um, Nutrier Superintendent Dr. Paul Sally said that the school has not made an official decision yet and is waiting to see if some additional updates to that guidance will be brought forward in the next couple of weeks here before school gets really rolling into full swing and, and the school year gets started. He's it sounds like the district is hoping for um, a little bit of flexibility in terms of if that guidance can be amended or changed in any way, um, depending on the local municipality slash area that is uh, hoping to um, utilize those, those guidelines. So um, still no decision, but it seems like the district is hoping to have one by the end of July, if not early August, on some safety procedures for next school year. Another one, you know, uh, will be all over, um, just like we've kind of been following it since the very beginning of our launch back in October, um, the ongoing saga um, dealing with schools and, and the COVID pandemic. Um, and just a note kind of associated with that, we did check in with Loyola Academy um, and they did decide on a mask mandate. I can read it real quickly for you, um, just so you are aware. Um, it's from um, Robin Hunt there. Um, communications director uh, and the policy is due to the recently updated guidelines from the CDC and the IDPH as well as the State Board of Education masks are no longer required for vaccinated individuals while on Loyola's campus outdoors or indoors. Masks are strongly encouraged indoors for those individuals who are not fully vaccinated and they are allowed for anyone who is more comfortable wearing a mask. So Strongly encourage, if you check the language there, it does not say they are mandatory for those with who are not vaccinated. So that's at Loyola Academy just down the road from Nutria. We're gonna head back toward the shore and stop in, uh, stop in Kenilworth where we had some news break, actually not in Kenilworth, but had an associated with Kenilworth as a, a former Kenilworth resident. To be honest, we don't know where Mr. Cox currently lives, um, but we know he did sell his home in Kenilworth. Uh, his, yeah, I got to start that over. We're going to take a walk back toward the shoreline and uh, stop in Kenilworth, where we have a, a story associated with Kenilworth in a, a former um, resident 
um, associated kind of got tied up in the Trump administration or um, in relation to it and was convicted, found guilty of a bribery scheme in which he pushed through millions of dollars of loans to Paul Manafort, the former um, um, head of the Trump election campaign in 2016. He pushed through millions of dollars in the hopes of gaining seats and gaining favor with President Trump's administration. Um, so very long, very complicated in what happened here, but Stephen Koch, um, a former resident of Kenilworth, is the founder and uh, was the CEO of Federal Savings Bank out of Chicago, founded in 2011, was a Kenilworth resident starting in 2005. Uh, but um, he, he pushed through loans um, using his power with the bank uh, for upwards of $16 million to Paul Manafort uh, in the hopes of gaining positions. He actually did gain a uh, position on the Economic Advisory Committee, one of the Economic Advisory Committees during the election campaign of 2016. Um, so it was known as a Trump advisor in that capacity. Um, he also had hopes of gaining a position um, on the cabinet or, or within the administration once Trump was elected. So after Trump was elected, uh, you know, the, the Department of Justice put forth a, uh, a lot of evidence, um, in, including a note he sent Manafort about some of the positions Mr. Koch wanted to hold or desired, uh, including things like uh, director of the Treasury. Um, he ended up getting a interview for the undersecretary um, of the Army. Um, he didn't end up getting a position, but it was clear uh, through for the DOJ and he was found guilty that that was his desire and that was his motivation in pushing through loans and uh, they they proved because he was found uh, he was convicted that he had knowledge of Manafort's inability to cover those loans or at least that they were risky uh, which included Manafort's past history with loans and defaulting on them so um complicated story financial story check it out though um, there's also a link to the official DOJ statement if you want to check out that um, but uh, he was convicted of two crimes, including the bribery and the conspiracy behind the bribery. Bribery, um, the, the former carries a maximum of 30 years, the latter uh, maximum five. So his sentencing is um, later this summer, um, I believe September. So check that out. Um, check out the full story um, in, a, in one associated with Kenilworth. We're going to take down a, a little a few steps south to the shoreline, to the one town left, Wilmette, and we're going to welcome Elaine. Elaine Trinko is our editorial intern, been doing a great job for us uh, this summer so far. Um, I can't believe we're already four or five weeks in um, to her internship, but um, she's been doing some good stories, and she she caught up with the Wilmette Village board meeting this week. She's a DePaul student, by the way, forgot to mention that, um, journalism student. She caught up with the Wilmette Village board, and they were talking about um, kind of... Uh, their financial report from a challenging 2020, right, Elaine? Right, Joe, that's exactly right. So if you didn't have the chance to come out to the July 13 Wilmette Village board meeting, I've got you covered on some of the highlights. Um, so at the beginning of the meeting, uh, we got to see the swearing in of the new village fire chief, Brian Lambeau. Um, so that was a very powerful image to see. Uh, nearly the entire village of Wilmette Fire Department came out to show uh, their support. Um, we also saw a couple other recognitions happening at the meeting, including uh, the new Trier Boys tennis team, uh, as well as the um, Loyola Academy uh, 
girls lacrosse team and boys lacrosse team. Um, so lots of recognition happening there on Tuesday. Uh, but the main things were going over the uh, 2020 fiscal year audit, which was conducted by an independent auditing firm uh, known as Lauterbach and Amon LLP. Uh, and the findings were pretty remarkable, uh, according to um, Melinda Malloy, who said, you know, 2020 was obviously a challenging year because of the pandemic, but revenues performed better or not as bad as we thought, end quote from Melinda Malloy. She is the uh, village finance director. Um, so what are some of those findings? So the village projected an operating loss of $3.3 million for the 2020 fiscal year, um, but only ended up uh, having an operating loss of 861000 below budget. So that was a $2.44 million difference. Um, so quite the success for uh, the village there, having gone through the pandemic. Uh, the village also went through some of their successes in terms of how they responded to COVID-19, a number of village-sponsored projects that they did to ensure community health, wellness, and safety. Uh, for example, the fire department, police department, and public works departments, they conducted over 50 birthday drive-by celebrations during the pandemic. As we know, during the beginning, um, there was a lot of fear around being able to be with family, spending time with family, and those birthday drive-by celebrations really did make a difference and an impact on the community. Uh, excuse me, other programs included um, caring for more vulnerable residents in the community. Uh, again, the fire department made over 1,500 phone calls to residents who may not be able to go out all the time or who do not have um, family in town to support them. So your tax dollars definitely went towards some good causes during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you need more details on, you know, exactly how that budget was broken down, um, you can visit uh, www.wilmet.com or you can go to our website, therecordnorthshore.org uh, to view details and read about the details of uh, the budget breakdown, um, as well as all the other different programs that the village sponsored to make sure that you and your fellow community members got through the pandemic in one piece. Um, so now I'm gonna turn it over to Joe and thank you for listening. Awesome, Elaine. I'm going to insert a uh, round of applause clip right there. Maybe maybe something like some cheering, some some hooting and hollering. That was awesome. Good job. Um, we're moving on to our third segment. That was up and down the short. So that's our second segment. Moving on to the third is our featured feature. And we're going to talk food because uh, who doesn't love that? Um, we're going to start out with Pin Tap Barbecue, much anticipated Texas style barbecue. Um, I feel like our coverage pre-coverage of this restaurant kind of teased you guys a little too much. We had uh, we had this story back in the fall and how they bought the place owned by Nick's in downtown Wilmette. Then a couple months later, we had that they were inserting this three-ton massive smoker into where they had to shut down the street and actually re-stabilize the flooring of the whole restaurant just to get it in there. Um, so it finally opened its doors on Friday to the public after a couple preview nights. Um, they almost immediately sold out of food um, on Friday and Saturday, all the way through Tuesday. Um, one of the unique things about, you know, obviously they're smoking their meats for hours, so they don't take reservations because obviously they don't want you to make a reservation. Then you come and your, your meat's gone or what you were hoping for. Um, so it's, it's first come first serve when you're in there and when it's gone, it's gone because they can't just, 
you know, uh, smoke some more ribs in 30 seconds. It takes, uh, it takes hours and hours. So those are some of the unique things about it. Um, it's been packed the first couple of days. I actually stopped in the other day as well. Don't worry. I paid, paid full freight for everything, uh, and enjoyed it, but it's a really cool place, unique in the area in downtown. Obviously there's a lot of restaurants there in downtown. Wilmette. pit and tap is a unique, um, spot with the Texas style barbecue and the big smoker. It's got 20 beers on tap, um, ribs, brisket, uh, pulled pork, burnt ends, hot links, kind of everything you want. The pit, uh, their sides, they got the mac and cheese, they got the pit beans. Um, it's kind of pretty classic if you enjoy barbecue food. Um, pretty cool stuff. It's been uh, well received so far, according to uh, Mike and Elizabeth Clark, the proprietors over there. So check it out, um, but just make sure um, you check on their social media page first to make sure they're not sold out already. But it's open 11 a.m. every day. Um, and most days it's open till midnight and Sunday it closes a little earlier. So it is open, free to go there. We're going to talk about another restaurant too. That one, Bit and Tap, downtown Wilmette. The other one is Momsie's um, Cafe. It's in Winneka, um, going back to Hubbard Woods a little bit, um, where the former um, reprise coffee roaster stood is now Momsie's Cafe. And it was opened by two daughters who named the place after their mother, Lynn Bergerson, who is known as Momsy in the area. And uh, the two daughters are Leslie Stevens and Lauren Smith. Um, and they dedicated the place to their mom who really enjoyed hosting and entertaining. And they have a sandwich, um, a grilled cheese kind of in her honor, kind of named after her. the whole restaurants, of course, in her honor. Um, but the way she used to make it and like it, you should check it out. Um, and um, yeah, it's open right now, right there on uh, uh, along Green Bay Road, right across the street from the park. So Momsy's Cafe and Pit and Tap, two of the newest restaurants in town, are open for business. And that is our show, folks. Um, that's our three segments. And um, before we let you go, as always, we like to give you a shout out ahead. Um, so uh, some cool things ahead. Uh, Elaine, you have a, a feature coming up. Do you want to give a little, just a quick elevator pitch on the Maggie Shea Olympian feature? Sure. So uh, Maggie Shea just recently turned 32. She's uh, from Wilmette and she is also a new Trier High School graduate. Um, and she has been sailing for as long as she can remember. And it has taken her all the way to representing the USA for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics for women's sailing. Uh, she'll be sailing alongside her teammate and uh former rival, actually, um, Stephanie Robel. Uh, they'll be sailing um, all throughout these coming weeks for the Olympics. And yeah, a lot more to come on Maggie Shea and her impact on the community as uh, well as her impact on representing Team USA. So more to come. Yeah, local Olympian, always something to be proud of. And this is a really cool feature by Elaine. You guys got to check it out tomorrow, which is Friday. Marty, what else we got? Yeah, we've got some Writers Theater news coming up as the executive director of the Glencoe Theater has resigned. So we'll have a story up here uh, very shortly. And then we're also going to have some coverage of um, outdoor dining, making an extended stay in Wilmette. So um, some great local news stories coming your way. And for anyone who is listening to this before the weekend, Joe, myself, and possibly Elaine as well will be outside um, at the Winneka Sidewalk Sale this Friday um, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we'll be there at the corner of Gage and Green Bay Road across the street from 
graders promoting the record. So if you're in the area, come on and say, come on by and say hi. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Marty, for throwing that out there. Come on by, say hi, drop a news tip, drop a donation. We are reader funded. Uh, we'd love to see you either way or just let's let's just talk about what's going on. Um, going to be exciting. Hopefully the rain holds off for us. But uh, we both have, uh, I'm sorry, both the Wilmette and the Winnetka Sidewalk sales, sales are this weekend. So you guys should get out, get out and check those out. But that is our show, uh, North Shore Newsweek. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in for this week. And until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.